0: This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about this ain't your mama's money. <laughs> and with me today, I have financial planner Julie Chadwick. And Julie and I thought we would put together a show to honor. The mothers in our lives as tomorrow actually is Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all you wonderful mothers
1: out there. Happy Mother's Day to my mother and to all the mothers, yes. (laughs) For all you do.
0: There you go. And you do a lot. So actually let's dive into that because when we're thinking about money and mothers, I was doing some research to kind of think about like what was money like for our moms when they were younger and how does that differ for us now? you know what are some of the money values that our parents taught us but also what's the monetary value of what our mothers have provided us
1: every all the sacrifices that they've done and all the things that they gave up or the cost of repaying them what would that be
0: yes and you know what there is a way to quantify it and it's pretty <laughs> pretty
1: uh, eye opening so
0: you know so the thing is mothers are amazing wonderful people And they do so much for people. So what if you actually wanted to pay your mom back? What would those numbers actually look like? So we're going to make some assumptions. We're going to assume you're a millennial. So I hope my children are listening.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Moms, you're going to love this. Kids, you're going to hate
0: this. (laughs) There you go. So if you're older than that, then your numbers would be a little bit different here. But first of all, your mom probably provided you with some housing.
1: Right? She probably let you live in there for a while.
0: At least a while. (laughs) (laughs) So let's say that you lived with your parents for the first 18 or 19 years of your life and you didn't have to pay rent to your mother. So, what's the value of that? Well, when we look at the average median rent for the US between 1988 and And the 20 years after that, then there is definitely a number that we can come by. So we're going to take that family rent and divide it by mom, dad, and a kid to figure (laughs) out what your share of the rent is. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you that the value of your unpaid rent during the time your mama was raising you is about $45,000. Right. (laughs) So thanks, mom, for the free rent. Of $45,000.
1: So all the times when you were saying, Mom, why don't you let me do this? Or how come I can't do that? She really was doing quite a bit. So
0: <laughs> I remember not being able to wait to move out of my house. Oh,
1: yeah. That magic number, 18, right? <laughs> exactly.
0: And then when I realized what it was like to actually pay rent,
1: <laughs> yes, that was
0: a little bit of a different feeling. But that's the value of rent if you were going to pay your mama back. All right. So, in addition to housing, we're going to make some assumptions that she made you some dinner
1: once in a while. Now, you may not have liked it every single time, but she made you dinner and provided food for you on the table. So
0: That is right. You know, she probably told you to eat all your vegetables and clean your plate.
1: But I'm sure there were some of the fun snacks in there, and she splurged a little bit here and there, as moms always do. So
0: More than likely. So, the USDA has estimates for a child's food cost by age. So, if you add all of that up... And then over the course of 19 years, in a moderate level of food, you we would be able to safely say that the value of the food your mom provided you while you were growing up is around $43,000.
1: Wow. That's a big number. That's a lot of food. That's a lot of Happy Meals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep.
0: Yeah. All right. So between housing and food, now we're up to $85,000 that your mom has put into taking care of you. What's the next thing? Let's talk about labor. Moms do a lot.
1: Think about all the running um, to the different sports events or the different activities or musical or dance or all the different events that you have throughout your high school year, mm-hmm. um, getting you to and from school. Just that right there alone. <laughs>
0: doing your laundry, cleaning yeah. the house, things like that um, instead of paying for childcare, mm-hmm. uh, managing your finances, doing yard work.
1: Buying you clothes, bathing you when you were a baby,
0: (laughs) keeping you fed—all of those things. If you stacked up the labor time that your mom had into taking care of you as she was raising you, with the number of hours for a period of 19 years, we were able to calculate (laughs) 699,725 dollars of labor.
1: So now we're probably all trying to think, wow, all right, let's just don't get into the idea of paying our moms back.
0: Yeah, that number just jumped up there.
1: (laughs) That just went out of the realm of maybe I can write her a check.
0: It's a little steep, right? Yeah, it is. (laughs) But we're not done yet. Exactly. There's more. All right. So let's just say that your mom didn't work because she was staying home to raise the kids.
1: Right. And we saw that lots more and more, you know, in uh, many years ago where now moms are actually working and doing all that stuff. But still, many years ago, it was moms who stayed home and provided for the kids.
0: Right. So it's not uncommon for mothers to sacrifice their careers, even if it's just for a period of time, to take care of the children. And so what that... Value is considered is to be opportunity cost. What did she miss out on because she was spending time taking care of you? Right. So the opportunity cost of lost wages for someone making a median wage for 19 years is around $42,000 to $46,000 a year. Right. So if we add that up for 19 years, <laughs> there's another $874,000. Right. <laughs> so, Julie, what's our total now of everything that we have talked about? So, Lost wages, labor,
1: housing, food. We're not even counting the love, you know, uh, the love in there. Can't but, price on that. But the numbers that we're talking, the final bill is $1.68 million <laughs> for your parents <laughs> to raise you.
0: There you go. Now, I hope if my mother's listening, she's not
1: thinking I'm going to write her a check. I hope if my mom's not listening, she's thinking, I could have been a millionaire. There you go. Plus, she had how many kids? Yeah, we had eight. there was eight in my family, so she would have been a million time, millionaire many times over. There
0: you go. But so to all the moms out there, we want to just say a big thank you because the not just the emotional value and the human value, but the sheer monetary value of what you provide for your kids. And, you know, this is a show about money. So we're going to go down that path. As planners, (laughs) that's what we focus on is the dollars. There you go. So you do a lot for your family. And I know that it's very appreciated. You know, I think, too, that when we're talking about your moms and when we're talking about what they provide for you in your life, um, one of the things that people don't always realize is how much influence they have in your mental construct of how money works in your life.
1: Right. Sometimes you think maybe the kids aren't listening, you know, and what you're doing every day and how you work hard for that until you see the fruits of your labor a lot of times when they've grown up and left the nest. Sometimes you see that coming back. You've instilled those in them.
0: So our mothers have influenced what we call our money philosophy, where some people call it their money story. And our mothers influence that from a very early age. And if you're listening out there and wondering how your mother influenced you and your money philosophy, then ask yourself this question. What was money like for you growing up? Mm -hmm. So Julie, what about you? What was money like for you growing up?
1: There wasn't a lot of it. Again, Mm -hmm. there were eight kids in the house. Um, My dad was working and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. So she was raising the kids. Um, I would say the good word to explain our situation was she knew how to stretch a dollar yeah <laughs> I bet she, she did knew how to stretch a dollar so we, we made ends meet the um you know it came down to not fancy meals it came out to you know we didn't go to the movies we didn't go you know to the mall and do stuff like that it was we lived on a farm and you played on the farm that was your entertainment go find something to do <laughs> so <laughs>
0: in those days they could easily just kick you outside and say yeah. come back when you hear the dinner ex- bell ring <laughs> exactly and,
1: and that was you know so it's finding your own things but that was uh-huh. really that's how for us it was because the money that came in was to pay the bills and to buy the food to put on the table. So it wasn't for luxury things. So,
0: right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, my money story growing up was somewhat similar to that. We had four kids in my family and my mom stayed home to raise the kids. Um, and my dad was a professor of economics. So I kind of come by some of this uh, money stuff pretty naturally. But my mom definitely taught me a lot of money lessons. And one of my favorite money lessons that I look back on her and, and recognize the value of now is something that I thoroughly hated when I was a youngster. And it was the value of repurposing and reusing things. Absolutely. So what she would do, which I now think is genius, but like I said, I hated at the time, <laughs> is that my older sibling was a boy. So it was my older brother, then me, and then I had two younger sisters. So there was nobody to pass his hand-me-downs to except a bunch of girls. Well, no girls want to wear the little boy clothes. So what my mom would do is she would cut out um, patches – in different colors and patterns and she would iron on or sew those patches to his pants to make them look like little girl pants.
1: (laughs) That's creative.
0: Yeah it was super creative and so she would make flowers or birds or hearts or stuff like that so I was always wearing little boy pants (laughs) that had these crazy patterns and patches on them I guess the good news is I had pants. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) You weren't thinking that at the time, but yeah. I
0: was like, why do I have to wear boy
1: pants? Right, yeah.
0: (laughs) You know, and I got the hand-me-downs from everything from a boy. I got a boy's bicycle. I got, you know, like I said, the boy's clothes. But the thing about it that I take away now isn't that, oh, gosh, it was horrible. I had to wear boy stuff. I mean, really, that's no big deal. The value, though, is I learned how to repurpose and reuse things. Mm-hmm. And I could see that there is value in something that you might think you're already done with. Right. And I think that's a huge money lesson to right. have learned and to now be able to appreciate.
1: Right. With the siblings that I had, there were five girls and three boys. So when it came to sports in high school, it was you play the sport that your sister played because you're going to wear your sister's shoes. So. <laughs> If she played volleyball, you're playing volleyball. That's awesome. <laughs> yep. So it was the same thing. It was sharing those things that you already had, mm-hmm. making them last longer.
0: Yeah. And and I think that when you inject the idea of creativity into it, um it also taught me how to think creatively about those things. So it's a kind of a dual Story there is Absolutely. repurposing, reusing, and using your mind and creativity to figure that out. I think that's a fantastic money lesson. And I hope something. it's one I've passed down to my kids yeah, too. Something
1: you'll take with you. Yep.
0: Very definitely. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Sterk. And today we're talking about this ain't your mama's money. (laughs) You know, I really think it's true that money is different now than it was for many of our mothers when they were young. Not only is the price of things drastically different than when our mothers were young, but how people manage money and handle money is completely different as well.
1: And also kind of their priorities, what things are prioritized for them today as compared to what it was. That years ago
0: is very true, you know they say that for many people, their last car was more expensive than their parents' first house,
1: absolutely, yeah, <laughs> but that logic is is that uh, kind of hits home a little bit,
0: yeah, so let's talk about some of those price differences between then and now, so In 1963, so we went back and looked at the 60s, so we'll pick out some specifics from the 60s. In 1963, the median price of a home was $18,000. Now that's almost like a fairly inexpensive new car now.
1: That's what your people are paying for the lots now Yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) for at home. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And now, what's the medium home value now, Julie?
1: $215,000 is the median.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a massive difference just in housing. And, of course, housing would have been a priority for all of our parents to make sure that we had a home to live in and to be safe in. So you can see how massively that has changed. Um, When you think about cars, the average cost of a new car back in 1960 was (laughs) $2,600. And what is it today?
1: Now we're looking at $30,000.
0: Yeah. So huge difference in the cost of things like that. Some more fun things... Is that when you went to the movies, it cost less than a dollar to buy a movie ticket back in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> now, just to
1: get in, it's 10 bucks, and then you got to buy all the treats. <laughs>
0: yeah, like it's $10 per kernel of popcorn, yeah. it seems like, at
1: the movies now. <laughs> yeah, you can't get out of the movie theater without spending $20, $30 at least.
0: Exactly. And, you know, when you think about groceries, the price of chicken in 1960s was only 29 cents a pound.
1: Now it's over one and a half dollar and a half, yep.
0: So things just have completely gone up. Uh, Peanut butter is kind of a funny one. Peanut butter used to cost 80 cents a jar. (laughs) Now (laughs) it's almost three bucks a jar.
1: three (laughs) dollars, yep. It's a big, big difference.
0: So just the actual numbers connected to money was very different from our mothers uh, to where we are now. But there's also some things that are just completely obsolete that are connected to money and finance. So first of all, we don't see... People writing checks the way they used to. Some people still write checks. In fact, the people that write the most checks are the people that are in the baby boomer generation. Exactly, Because yep. it's what they're used to. Yeah. But what do people use nowadays?
1: They use that debit card.
0: They use the debit they card. They got the
1: plastic and they're not even getting checks, which a lot of mm-hmm. times we see that and we run into when people are opening accounts and they want to add their bank account on We have to have a check. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a problem
0: for some people. (laughs) Right. So checks are becoming obsolete. Another thing that's become obsolete that our parents used to depend on and that we don't use now is payphones. Yeah. So people used to have quarters and dimes and nickels for the payphones. And now everybody has a cell phone.
1: Which is a lot more expensive. Yeah. That's another thing that mom is tacking on. I was just actually listening to a radio show this morning on the way in, and they were saying um, the average um, child growing up, when they're thinking, how long should mom and dad pay for that cell phone? The parents are thinking till the kid's 18, Mm -hmm. and the children are thinking till they're 20. At least. At least. Pretty sure my kids think it should be longer than that. Yep.
0: (laughs) You know, the other thing that I think is funny that's obsolete, and I don't have a dollar number for this, but I do have a percent of this, is that um, our mothers, a lot of them built skills around typing, and they were typing on a typewriter. Yeah, yeah. So owning a typewriter meant you could probably have a career in some type of secretarial work. Mm -hmm. Being a good typist meant you could get a job, something like that, and now uh, 64% 64% of Americans own their own laptop computer instead of a typewriter, and 57% own a desktop computer.
1: And the children today have never even seen a typewriter. Right. <laughs> a lot of them, yeah. So it's stuff they're, that's obsolete.
0: Yep. They're definitely vintage now. Yep. And, you know, when you think about that, <clears throat> the careers that our mothers had available to them centered around secretarial work, which was typing, nursing, mm-hmm. or teaching. That was kind of the top three that they had to choose from. And now the sky's the limit. So it was very different for our mothers in terms of what their choices were And what the financial ramifications of what they could earn with those choices were. And now we're so fortunate because any career is open to any of us. And there really is no ceiling on the amount of income that we can earn based on what we want to pursue.
1: Right. And especially for those parents that were stay-at-home moms when they were staying at home with the kids and then when the kids went off to school. They didn't have the college education to that, so they went out and got jobs that were just available to them. So Mm -hmm. now they're going out and getting those.
0: Yep. So I I think that we all owe our moms a big thank you because Mm -hmm. it's our moms that paved the way for that kind of progress to be possible. For for women to have the choices that they have now Mm -hmm. came on the backs of moms who paved the way for those choices. Right, right. So thanks, moms, out there. (laughs) We can't thank you enough. We appreciate that. (laughs) All right, so another thing that my mom taught me that I think was a very good money lesson was the value of a bargain. So when we would go shopping for things, she would um, always be looking on the clearance rack, always be encouraging us to look on the clearance rack. And she would also set a budget. She would say, mm-hmm. We're going to give you this many dollars for a pair of jeans if you want. Designer jeans that are more expensive than that, and you have to pay the difference. Right. So she knew what her boundaries were with money. She knew what her budget was and she encouraged us to make that dollar last by looking
1: for a bargain. And it's really funny you say that because my sister to this day, whenever I go shopping with her, she goes straight to the rack. I'm always looking at front at the new arrivals yeah, and so. everything. That's <laughs> all fun. And she goes, No, get to the back. There's great sales. And you know, wouldn't you know it? Every single time she comes out with like fifteen different things and she spent half as much as I spent. So <laughs> But the bargain, too, in our family, I remember um, I it seemed like it was two summers worth of making shorts. Your mom said, you know, we don't have a lot of money to go out and buy some shorts. So we went and bought material. And we uh-huh. thought she was absolutely crazy. And we hated it at first. But we were like, we're wearing homemade shorts, but it actually taught us a lesson too. So it was the bargain of making your own shorts and making that dollar go farther. Mm-hmm. And then we were creative and we had to actually had to learn how to sew and do that too. So it was a fun experience for us. I mean, we didn't think at the time it was so cool, but actually our <laughs> friends were like, Hey, where'd you get those shorts? Cause they couldn't find them. So it was they definitely, yeah. Couldn't yeah. Find so them, that was they? the creativity <laughs> and the spin on it. So she, uh, it was a very deep value that she instilled in us there.
0: For sure. My mom also taught me that Uh, there was a value to hard work.
1: Mm -hmm. So
0: I really do credit my mom for teaching me the work ethic that I have today. So when I was a youngster, I would get paid to do chores. And if I didn't do my chores, I didn't get paid. Mm Mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot of leeway of, though, that I could just choose not to do my chores. Right.
1: <laughs> it really wasn't an option. And if you really threw a fit about it, it's like, all right, we're still doing the chores. You're just not getting paid. Yeah,
0: yeah. They could, you, we could be docked our, our chore money if our attitude wasn't very good. Yeah, I remember that happening a couple of times. But anyway, I so to this day, I always connect work to income. Mm-hmm. You know, if I want to go create something in my life, if I need money – I am absolutely willing to go work for it. It doesn't even cross my mind to try to figure out a different way to find money. Right. I'll just go to work for it. You
1: just know it's going to be there. It's, it's something yeah. that you can go out and go, go do some work, go get a job, go do something. So.
0: so that kind of self-reliance and that understanding clearly that the effort that I put forward creates the income that I have – which I can use then to spend to create whatever I want in my life, definitely came from an early money story that my mom taught me.
1: Right. The thing for um, us doing chores, we had to do the chores, and we didn't always get paid for the chores that we had to do. We are still expected to do them. Mm-hmm. But we had the babysitting jobs, and we had to you know, get the jobs in high school. And that money there, my mom said, was our fun money. So if you wanted to go out on the weekend with your friends or go to a movie – If you had the money that you earned, then you could. If you didn't, she wasn't going to be giving us any money to go to the movies. So that very much instilled us to, hey, we need to go out and go do some babysitting or doing something to earn that dollar to go do what we wanted.
0: We had a fun um, tradition in our house, and it stemmed from something completely accidental, but then my mom totally ran with it. There was a beautiful area on the campus that my dad taught that um, had sidewalks kind of running through a grassy area. And one time when we were out on a walk with my mom, I kind of remember my sister being in the baby stroller and my brother and I running around and you know, we were probably five years or, or younger, and we were walking down this sidewalk, and somebody had dropped change. So there was some pennies and maybe nickels or dimes or whatever, and so there was a handful of change that somehow got dropped. Well, of course, my brother and I were all excited that we found pennies and nickels. <laughs> so my mom told us that that was named Penny Lane. And so what she ended up doing was numerous times taking us back there but planting pennies <laughs> there for us to find. So it became a game that we would go to Penny Lane and we would magically always find these pennies. Well, she did it with my kids. She's done it with my grandson, which is her great-grandson. So everybody's had a chance to go find Ooh, some pennies on Penny on Lane. On Penny Lane. That's awesome. <laughs> That's neat. So it's not about the pennies themselves the value of that is certainly in the time spent
1: yeah absolutely
0: so for all you mothers out there happy mother's day and we hope that listening to this show about that this ain't your mama's money (laughs) (laughs) has made you smile and made you understand that we all love you and we thank you for your contributions happy mother's day